uh, I feel like we're also just getting started. Like there's so many people out there that I think want to have an international experience and so many companies out there, probably more companies out there that need the great talent that, that that's um, not available locally. Um, so I hope to just continue doing this for as long as possible. Welcome to the Hexdevs podcast. I'm your host, Thiago. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie. Today we have a very special guest, the one and only Ilya Brodsky. So how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Thiago. Stephanie, thanks for having me. So we're really excited to have you here. Uh, we already told you this, but if we're here in Vancouver right now, it's probably your fault because you helped <laughs> us so, so much along the way in our journey. So thanks again for that. Um, my pleasure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. I'll do my, uh, you know, tell me about yourself as yeah. we train in VanHack. Van <laughs> um, so, I'm Ilya. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of VanHack. Um, I uh, actually have been working or living in, uh, as an immigrant ever since I can remember. I moved from Soviet Union when I was two and a half to Israel, and then from Israel to Vancouver when I was five. And so immigration is a very big part of my life. Um, afterwards, I actually immigrated to the U.S. where I studied in university. Then I immigrated to Brazil where I worked at a big uh, mining company called Valley. And then I worked in startups. Um, from there, I started working uh, in the ed tech space and met a lot of developers who wanted to uh, work in tech and get hired abroad, but they didn't speak good English, which led me to creating VanHack. Let me go into more details about that. Um, I'm from Vancouver, and uh, yeah, I love what I do. So. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. How do you feel when you think that you have helped more than, I don't know, how many people relocated? Uh, the number right now is something around 750. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully two more today. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're waiting on a couple offers to come through. But yeah, I think one DevOps and one, oh, I should know. Yeah, I forget exactly what he works with. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So uh, how do I feel? Um, I don't know, sometimes it's kind of crazy because the way I think about it, it's like it's not just those people, it's like their lives and the future families that they have because, yeah, for me, like, it's really cool because I know what it's like as a kid. Like, I moved here when I was five, and so I know the impact it has on, like, the children or the future children of, of the people. Um, so that's really, really cool and like, kind of my fa my favorite part of what we do. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think about it all, all the time, but when I do kind of stop and look back because, you know, most of the time I'm in the work and, like, stress the fact that we need to get more hires all the time. Um, it uh, It's really cool. It's really gratifying. And, um, you know, even little things like there's a Van Hackers from Calgary, a um, guy from Pakistan and a lady from Brazil who gave me a sweater and a thank you card. Like, just, you know, super random, like little gift, like a hoodie. Um, so thank you, ladies and tall, if you listen to this. And uh, I wore it, like, the, on the weekend, and it just was really cool to, like, you know, have a tangible thing to think about that and then the memories. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy, but uh, I feel like we're also just getting started. Like, there's so many people out there that I think want to have an international experience and so many companies out there, probably more companies out there that need the great talent that, that that's um, not available locally. Um, so I hope to just continue doing this for as long as possible. What motivated you to start VanHack? How did that start? Yeah, so actually my first idea was to help people move to Brazil. I was living in Brazil and I saw this guy create a course called China Career Blueprint and I thought, well, I'm in Brazil. A lot of people asked me about how to move to Brazil in 2012 
And so I thought, why don't I create Brazil Career Blueprint? So him and I worked on the project and um, it was really like super basic, like a WordPress site with uh, some videos in the members area and my consulting help. Um, and that got like maybe 20 or 30 people to sign up. But all the time I would tell my Brazilian friends like, hey, I'm doing this project, you know, what do you think? They would say, Ilya, 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 like, listen, you're doing this the wrong way. You have to help Brazilians move to Canada. Like, are you crazy? Uh, and a few people from Brazil started asking me, you know, uh, questions about moving to Canada. I remember one day I thought, you know what, let me try this idea. I created a Facebook page uh, called Morar no Canada, I would live in Canada in Portuguese, and I got like 3,000 likes in two weeks or something crazy, and I was like, whoa, there's, there's something like that. People started sending direct messages to the page, and uh, it wasn't for tech, it was just a general thing, and, and I thought, okay, there's something here. But really, when I moved back home to Vancouver in 2014, after living in Brazil for four years, I started getting uh, a lot more messages on Facebook from people that I met in meetups and people that I just kind of knew in the industry, in the tech world when I was in Brazil, saying like, hey, like I saw your pictures on Facebook, like that looks like a really nice place to live, Vancouver, Brazil was kind of starting to go into the depression or a recession when uh, during the World Cup. I left literally like halfway through the World Cup in 2014. And, and then, um, yeah, they just kept messaging me. And then I thought, you know, maybe I can have this uh, idea that I can help people come to Canada and learn how to code. That was the first, first idea. So I created this page using Unbounce, a great Vancouver startup uh, for anyone who wants to create landing pages. Uh, we actually helped them hire two developers. I think the first one on your podcast, Stella, was, was one of them, first episode. Um, so go check that out, guys. Good good interview. Um, and so Unbounce was our first website, and, and it was awful, like just the worst, uh, ugliest page. Um, broken Portuguese and really bad design because I'm not a designer and I don't speak Portuguese that well, um, at least writing. So and so the <laughs> first version was in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was cool. super focused. I think the one lesson I could kind of give to people is to be like hyper-focused, like like, obsessively focused like you make your product for like five people or like even for one person and then go to two and then three and then some people I think like just kind of an aside but I think a lot of people try and build something that's like way too mainstream and broad and they're scared to focus and, and, and be like narrowed down and I think that's wrong I think you should go as specific as possible so the first idea was Vancouver for developers from Brazil so mm -hmm. developers from Brazil to move to Vancouver and actually the first idea was people who wanted to learn how to code but quickly when mm -hmm. I published a lot of the Facebook uh, the, the, the unbounce page on Facebook groups all the people who were developers already, like you, Thiago, they got in touch with me and said, hey, like, I don't need to learn how to code, but mm -hmm. I still want to move to Canada or to Vancouver. What can you do to help me? And that's when I had, like, I did, like, maybe 30 or 40 conversations, like, on Skype, and then a few people in person who were here in Vancouver already, just learning and, like, asking questions, customer discovery. And those people got me thinking that I should create an English course or, like, a soft skills course for developers to move to Canada. And everything the first year was just in Portuguese. So if you go back to our blog and go to our last page, the first like 15 blog posts in uh, on BadHack are in Portuguese. Uh, but now everything's since been translated to English. So that was like the first idea. And, and then one cool thing I'll say, last thing, is I actually had two ideas I was working on. One idea was a, like a crowdfunding startup for, or sorry, crowdfunding app for homeless people here in Vancouver. And then the other one was, was VanHack. And I wasn't sure which one to focus on, but VanHack just kept coming back. Like, mm -hmm. even though the page was super ugly and like, the URL was even like unboundspages.com slash Vancouver, mm -hmm. like it wasn't even a website. Um, uh, people would like email me being like, hey, my friend sent me this link in, in Portuguese, written in Portuguese. My friend sent me this link. Uh, I'd like to learn more about it. And that happened like once a week. And I wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of mm -hmm. like focusing on this other idea. So that kind of like, kind of like wouldn't let me go. And so I thought like, okay, let's just focus full time on that hack. And kind of from then things started growing. Yeah, that's a great story because you didn't really need to validate your idea. Just 
you just got a bunch of people coming to you and say, hey, so I need this. <laughs> Do something about it. I really need this thing. So you just had to build something, right? Obviously. Yeah, so it's, like, it's all about finding a problem, right? Like the problem mm -hmm. I found was there's a lot of people who wanted to relocate, but they didn't know how and they didn't have the, so the communication skills too. So I needed to figure out actually like what specifically, because my original idea was wrong, but by testing the idea and having mm -hmm. those 30, 40, 50 conversations, whatever it was, um, I got that feedback from them and was able to realize that like resumes and cover letters, LinkedIn profile reviews and interview practice was the key. Mm -hmm. Yes, so what for me what it's most important about what you said is that uh, you didn't have the most beautiful app in anything. We know with the most recent technologies and all of that, but still people were super interested mm. and sometimes People think that to have a successful business, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have to already provide something perfect right. that people can already use. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's really good to know um, a real case, a real su success case following that. Um, yeah, you know, it's actually something I learned in Brazil. When I was living in, in Rio, I worked for this accelerator called Vinchum Dois and Dois, 21 2 and 2. Mm -hmm. And it was all about connecting American investors to uh, Brazilian startups. Uh, 21 from Rio, the area code 212 mm -hmm. for New York. And they taught us this thing called Lean Startup, the Lean Startup mm -hmm. methodology by Eric Ries. Um, and his whole thing was you got to test, test, test. And in the early days, the most important thing about a startup is not how much money you make, but how much you learn. Mm -hmm. um, so I just tested and, 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 and try to be as, as, as lean as possible by yeah, creating something that honestly just my, my, my whole thing was if you're interested put in your email and that was a big part of us the email marketing I'm sure you guys got all that email from Van Hack as well <laughs> um, but anyway and then uh, another quick thing that um, I would like to talk about on this point is the Reid Hoffman genius uh, founder of LinkedIn um, his, his quote that I'm sure people have heard of is uh, if you're not embarrassed by your first product you waited too long to launch um, so I'm, I almost took that like to the extreme, <laughs> trying to be as embarrassed as possible, but still kind of <laughs> kept the, the, the information. And anyway, yeah, um, it, it's really about the the, the, the learning in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it started out coaching people, like providing materials and like interview uh, questions and stuff like that. So yeah. did you start selling that? Oh yeah, I sold it before I even had it. Oh. Like I would I would tell people mm -hmm. like like even like the resume correction like. I couldn't really, I mean, it was just like, send me a resume, I'll correct it. I remember actually one real cool case of this guy named Alex, uh, who was living in Vancouver at the time, uh, trying working remotely for Brazil, uh, in Brazil. Like, he would wake up really early to be on the Brazil time zone, and then he would work till afternoon, and then spend the, next, uh, the rest of the day looking for a job. Um, I charged him $100 to meet with me for like two months, every Thursday night after my work, and talk for like an hour. So if you think about like the, how much that is per hour, it's not very much. Um, but it was more for me just to learn from him and understand exactly what it he was looking for. And, and then I started selling. And it was like something where, honestly, the beginning, the first membership site was just like 15 links. And then the more va most value was just my time and my effort and um, like having calls with people, a lot of calls and uh, the group interview practices. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of mistakes in the early days and trying to learn about like the best way to perform this. But I mean, one thing I was we were really meticulous with is like, we have to have interview practice, we can't miss that. And that's like very important for us. And we have mm -hmm. to reply to every single message we get. Um, even though like we messed up on the technology side a lot. Um, but yeah, that, that was important. And then getting the testimonials and making the connections started kind of happening after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So did you bootstrap your business or did you have some extra money? Like, was it like a side business? Thing? Yeah, for the first whole year, it was a side project. I actually got fired from my job <laughs> for it. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure my wife knows this, yeah. Um, that uh, it was funny, actually. I got, I got fired and I quit on the same day. I was working in the analytics department at Best Buy uh, here in Vancouver. They have that Canadian headquarters. And I went into the office. Um, well, so backtrack. I, w I worked as this random side project just on my phone and like the days uh, and the night and the weekends. Um, and it was way more exciting than my job of selling appliances online. Uh, no offense to people who are doing <laughs> that. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was it was like a side project. And um, even if it was like 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, I tried to do at least one thing per day on, on the project to move it forward. Um, and, and it was bootstrapped, yeah, for, for that part of the time. Um, and then I like remember quitting my job slash getting fired and then getting a new job at this company called Spring, which is a really great accelerator program here in, in Vancouver, uh, helping people who are working on impact startups. And my boss at that company, Keith, he knew that I was working on VanHack. And so he kind of like, yeah, come work for me and do sales. But I know you're also at VanHack. It, it was, it was, he was like almost a mentor. He was a mentor, a very big one. Um, and then we got an investor to, to help us out. Um, it's actually a Brazilian guy. He calls himself the first VanHacker because he moved here in 1988. His name's Fred Rigo. Uh, he invested a little bit of money early on in, I think, 2015, before we even incorporated. Um, and he was really helpful. It's kind of like a mentor uh, throughout the last couple of years. Um, and then after that, uh, I quit my job on December 31st, New Year's Eve, uh, 2015. So since January 2016, I've been working on this full time, almost four years, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and um, then we did the Startup Chile. So, um, Another thing we can go into more detail is that we did uh, three accelerator programs, actually more than three accelerator programs, but three that give us money, one in Chile, uh, which is Startup Chile, equity free accelerator program. We lived in Santiago for like six mm -hmm. months and we got $35,000 without giving away equity. Then we did Techstars, which is a startup accelerator like from around the world. They have programs like over 20 cities, started from uh, the US and Colorado, but now they have like Australia, Norway, everywhere. We did it in Berlin. And um, then we did a program in Luxembourg called Fit for Start. Um, and so Techstars invested in us and then Fit for Start gave us equity free money. Um, and those programs were really helpful for us in the early days because we were able to grow a lot faster, expand into new markets, um, and uh, yeah, not have to like dilute ourselves so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So you started helping Brazilians move into Canada, mm. but now you help people from all of the all of the world, right? Yeah. So it's funny. Like in the first year, everything was in Portuguese, and so people who spoke Spanish started getting in touch with us. So people from <laughs> Argentina, Venezuela, Colombia, uh, we were like, "Oh, this looks interesting. I kind of want to relocate as well." Uh, and so then we thought, "Hey, maybe we should change it to English because, like, if you want to move abroad, you should be able to speak English as the most common language." Um, and then we started getting a lot of requests for for Europe. Um, so we started seeing like, oh, maybe uh, like Van Hackett started saying, hey, I just got hired in Portugal or Germany. And then we went to this conference in, in well, Lisbon that happens every year called Web Summit, the biggest tech conference in Europe in, in November uh, every year. And uh, we got a company to work with us, uh, Farfetch, a very big uh, uh, e-commerce company from Portugal that's like worth over a billion dollars. And they hired a ton of people from Brazil uh, in their office in Porto. And so they hired a bunch of people from us and were like, oh, hey, we can actually help people move to the other side of the ocean, like Atlantic, uh, the side of the Atlantic Ocean in Europe. And that's when we thought maybe we should go to Techstars in Germany. So that really helped us expand on that side. And now we're thinking like Australia, uh, maybe New Zealand, US somehow. Uh, and then very important also like expanding geographically of our talent pool. So we have people from over 120 countries, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, over 20 or 22 countries of which like have gotten job offers. So people, we had people from Belgium and Malawi got hired in the last few months, like super 
random places. Um, and yeah, we're really looking to expand and diversify our talent pool. That's a big part of the value proposition for Van Hack to companies is you can hire developers from around the world, so more diverse talent, and kind of have that different perspective when you bring a developer in, not just have everyone from the same culture. Um, so yeah, that's a really big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Was Farfetch your first client, your corporate client maybe? No, no, so that, that actually was a company called Eastside Games. They're from Vancouver. Um, so it was funny, I was, uh, I never thought about recruiting. Like it's this whole recruiting world. I am super, well, I guess I'm not that new anymore, but um, I always like to introduce, make introductions for people. I just didn't know I can get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started working in recruiting, I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. Cause we started building up like this talent pool without knowing it. We started building up like a student community, right? A bunch of people who wanted to learn our courses, took our free programming. Um, and uh, we realized we actually had a double-sided marketplace, like supply, demand, you know, Uber, Airbnb kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at a conference, uh, sorry, a, a, a job fair. We, we used to do these things where we broadcast career fairs uh, online. We'd do like a webinar and have like 200 developers online watching virtually a job fair. And we would go to every booth and be like, hey, like tell us about why we should, we should work at X company. And then I was, as, as I was walking out of the, the career fair one night, um, this guy named Josh, who's the CEO of uh, Eastside Games, came to me and he's like, yo, so how much does it cost to hire a developer from you? And I had no idea what I was doing, so I gave him a price, and he's like, okay, we'll come to, to the office and, and we'll talk, and we started talking, and yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. And then uh, they, they, they ended up hiring someone, and then uh, I remember a company called Thinkific, which is like one of the top startups here in Vancouver. Um, we did a webinar with them, and then I got an email from Greg, the CEO, being like, yeah, we just hired Savio, who's uh, like been here for like four years now. He's a technically leading one of the teams there at Thinkific. Um, and, and we made more money from that hire than we did in like all the sales from premium, which mm-hmm. we were working way harder to sell for premium because every time I had to sell to premium, I would do a call with the person, convince them, and like sometimes like, oh, I don't want to pay, and you know, it's different. And then we just had a webinar, and then all of a sudden like he got hired. Of course, now we do a lot more work than just doing a webinar and hoping someone gets hired. I just was super naive. But uh, yeah, the business side of like the B2B side of, of Van Hack really allowed me to realize that like this could be a much bigger opportunity than I originally thought. Um, and I think the way we did it looking back was good because it allowed us to create a really engaged talent pool of people that um, what we was kind of like a differentiator from the local recruiting companies. So um, businesses really took advantage of or like like to talk to us. So for example, in your case with Predictable Revenue, Chicago, um, like you know they can hire a really great senior Ruby developer that they just can't hire, find here locally. Mm-hmm. So how many people do you have working at Finehack right now? Um, Mayara, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly the number. She's our HR person. I think it's 36, <laughs> but I wow. don't yeah. know. 36, 37. We had someone start, I think, on Monday. Uh, I don't know if you started yet, Roland. Um, yeah, like mm. 30, 35-ish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we'll oh. probably get to 40 by the end of the year, and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to grow too fast because you want to make sure everyone's mm-hmm. aligned and working well. But yeah. Um, we have a remote team, so uh, I haven't met everyone yet, which is kind of crazy. Um, hope to hopefully in the future, um, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of like that's my main focus now is like making sure the team works well together. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that Van Hack would become a big thing? When did you realize that oh, this is a real business? Yeah, I'll have to hire a bunch of people. <laughs> Good question. I never thought about that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think we early on, yeah, I think like one of the moments that I kind of was like, oh, this could be something was early on we had this um, uh, c- a conference called the Brazil Canada Connect 
and um, we created a lot of content about like companies in Canada and how people can relocate to Canada. As you can see, with the name is very specific, Brazil to Canada, very like very narrow focus early on. And we did this thing where we um, closed the Van Hack Premium sales, so we like had like a sale during that week for the conference, and then we said, okay, we're gonna stop selling Van Hack Premium uh, like at Friday at midnight. So if you want to join. Uh, join now or else we're gonna like hold, hold it closed for like a, a month or two and we don't know when we're gonna come back and we made like I don't know uh, a few like probably like $10,000 in like that week and uh, that was more money that I was making for my job right per, per month and I was like damn like this could be something like this could be a full-time job um, that actually in the beginning that was the goal the goal is just like be able to work full-time uh, and then when we made our first like big like quote-unquote big placement uh, fee uh, from one of the companies that was really cool too um, and uh, yeah I don't know I just I don't know maybe I think from early days I kind of knew this would be something big because um, like it was one of those things where I had done a bunch of startups before and they all failed and it always felt like I was pushing up the hill and here I felt like I was being pulled mm-hmm. and it was like there was more things to do than time to do it and I worked like crazy mm-hmm. hours and I always felt like there was like a next step. And even if, and even when things were bad, because we had a lot of bad moments, which I can talk about as well, um, there was like, I, I, I kind of felt like we'll get through this, like it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't like one mo- one specific moment, there were like kind of few lights, like light bulb moments, like okay, this could be something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like it was just kind of like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think I'd done so much before leading up to it that it felt like, okay, the, the things have kind of lined up now and mm-hmm. let's like make the best of it. I follow Justin Jackson. He he has a podcast and a newsletter about people that want to bootstrap their own business. His latest newsletter, he was talking about people that want to have a business and trying to find problems, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like selling ice cream at the beach in the summer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. People will come naturally to you. But if it's winter and you are trying desperately to sell ice cream (laughs) in the winter, it's gonna be harder, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, have a lot of ideas Mm -hmm. and think like, oh man, it would be cool if like this, and they fall in love with their idea and they don't wanna change anything. And it's like, I have to do it this way. And like you said earlier on, had to be perfect. Um, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think the Mike Tyson quote: "You don't know. You know. You, oh, you, have, you have a plan until you get punched in the face. Like, you have to be punched in the face by the market a, a lot to then kind of realize that you know what, make, create things people want, which is a YC Paul Graham quote. But it's super true. Like, you you have to find a problem again, painkiller versus vitamin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone's super hungry and you're gonna give them food, much better. Exactly like your ice cream uh, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really true." Mm-hmm. But also the cool thing about your story is that you started doing something. Yeah, we weren't mm. li- we weren't really sure about what you were going to do, yeah. and then you found a, the problem. Yeah, and then you tried some things out, didn't work. Then you tried some other things, and then it kind of clicked yeah. to, with your audience. So, you, like you started building your audience, and then you were doing some things, and then this these things you were doing led to these other things. So and led to the problem that you were trying to solve, right? So yeah, yeah. you didn't start with a cool idea, you just started mm-hmm. trying things out and then you found something, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the learning by doing and just, just do it, just start. Like like you have an idea and you, you really like it, you really want to do it, like 
don't wait until you have the most beautiful website and your whole team's perfect. Like that's never gonna happen. You just need to do one little thing. And that, that might be as easy as simple as like registering the domain name or I don't know, like talking to five people about your idea, whatever. Um, as long as you start taking action, like I think I heard a, a quote from um, The Art of War is opportunities multiply as they're seized. And I, th I totally agree with that. Like as you like start you know, seizing one opportunity, which leads to another, and then things start to multiply. Um, yeah, I, th I think a lot of people are, are scared to take that first step because they don't want to fail. Like I failed a ton and that's kind of what brought me here. So during all this time, what do you think was the most challenging moment and what were the obstacles that it was most difficult to overcome? Yeah, so as a recruiting company, it's kind of ironic that our hardest challenge was people on our team. Um, so most people don't know this, but in the beginning of VanHack, there was actually four founders, me and three other people. I don't recommend you do this, especially since two of them I, I don't think I've met in real life or had met maybe once. No, two of them I had not met in real life. And then one of them I met for like 10 minutes in person. And in the beginning of VanHack, I was like, you know, like this is going to be a side project. It's not going to be very much. Like our early, early days, I didn't think much of it because I had failed so much before in other companies that I just didn't have much hopes for anything. I was in a pretty bad place. Um, yeah, anyway. And, and so I was like, yeah, like let's, let's start the business and let's everyone be equal, right? Like everyone has 25% of the company and, you know, communism, right? Um, <laughs> and, 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 and that led to a lot, a lot of headaches. We had to fire the first person like in the first three weeks, um, just clearly wasn't a fit for the company. And this first person I had to fire, which was terrifying, um, but yeah, it was needed. And then the next person went on vacation for three months. And so we're like, yeah, you can't be part of the business anymore. And then the last person, after I went full time, it was kind of obvious that there wasn't a need for that person to be in the business, or at least we weren't equals in terms of how much we were contributing. So we tried to find a common ground, but that led to like one month in the business where like nothing worked. And I was just like, we just stopped. And I was like freaking out and couldn't sleep. And my wife like helped me a lot through that and still does a lot today, but like especially in the early days. Um, and it was a huge, huge like, block in terms of like, okay, are we going to get things going or not? So I think co-founder issues are probably the most common reason why startups fail. Um, so if I had given any advice, it would be vested equity. Um, so when you give, uh, when you start a company, don't give everyone, like, first off, if it's your idea and you've worked on it, like, you don't even, don't give chairs to anyone, like, do your best to not make anyone a partner at all. Um, but if you do, then uh, just quickly on that, I definitely like, there's a, I think there's a trend out there being like, hey, like you need to have a co-founder to be successful-ish. Uh, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know how much I believe in that. But um, I guess if you do have co-founders, um, put everyone on a vesting schedule, which means that you put them on, uh, like they'll gain equity over four years. And in the first year, you have the right to fire them and, and they don't get anything. It's called a cliff. Um, so let's say you give them 25, 20% uh, of the business, it's 5% over, over four years. Um, and if they leave after two years, they only get 10%. So we didn't do that, uh, and that was awful and caused a lot of headaches, and yeah. So that was definitely the biggest mistake, and how we got through it, like, I mean, the first two were kind of easier because they weren't in Canada, and we didn't, like, even meet them. One was in Brazil, the other one was in Ireland, and um, the last one, he was here in, in Vancouver in Canada, and that was definitely tough to get, kind of have that conversation with him and then figure out, like, what's the steps, like, what's going to happen, et cetera. Uh, it ended up working out, and, you know, thank God it all it's all kind of okay, but... Yeah, like it's so super ironic that a recruiting company has people problems, and we still do to these days. Like it's always hard. Like we have a remote team, so sometimes it's tough to know like 
if someone's a culture fit or not and all those things and we're trying to figure out how, how we can hire better for ourselves um that yeah that's definitely been the biggest challenge of course i can't say from experience because I, i don't have any business or whatsoever but i do know a lot of successful cases from indie hackers which mm. is a community from for people that bootstrapped their own business they also started as a side business and big part of the people there it's a solo founder and like they just i don't know spent like 100 per month or, or something so it's cool that you you say that because um sometimes we do things because everyone else is doing right mm -hmm. but th there are other alternatives so if I don't know, maybe indie hackers would be uh, a good um, example about starting your own business, like without having any investors or, mm -hmm. you know, following all of those advices that people give to everyone. But yeah, yeah there's a good podcast I used to listen to called Startups for the Rest of Us, mm -hmm. another one called Bootstrap Web, which are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are really good. And I yeah, I, I think that by kind of being the main person uh, slash only person, you just can move so much faster. Like you don't need anyone's approval to send mm -hmm. an email or change anything. And that I think is really, really nice. Um, of course, some people work really well together and it's good, mm -hmm. especially if you know people, but like don't do what I did and just dive into a business with people mm -hmm. you don't know, which yeah, recipe mm -hmm. for disaster. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad everything turned out well, <laughs> but is there something else that you would have done different, differently? Mm, good question. Um, yeah, I'm probably focusing on the company side earlier. That's a really good question. Yeah, like I would have just, I know this is kind of maybe not the best answer, but like I would have opened up to international faster. Um, I would have focused on the recruiting side of the business earlier. Um, and I would have started doing more recruiting events earlier as well because those all all those things really worked well so like start at those earlier what well, we would be would be further ahead than we are now um oh another thing uh <laughs> kind of related to hr as well is um yeah like don't be so open and trusting with so many different people um i think it's kind of related to the first experience i talked about about like having three people i don't know on the team uh even after that i still like have kept having people on the team that i would like trust and, and share too much information about and they would like do things that are not good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i won't go into much detail about that but like just they would just abuse my trust and so like be less trusting um i guess yeah, spend more money on ads <laughs> yeah like just If we had spent more money on ads in 2017 and 2018, we would have like way more users than we have now, so probably more hires. So how did you grow the revenue for VineHack? Because you said you started out uh, working with these clients, these companies, and then now you have like 40 people on your team. So how, how did you grow your revenue? How did you find more clients? Yeah, going to a lot of meetups, <laughs> 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 going to a lot of events, meetups, conferences. Um, just like networking like crazy, hustling. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the early days were just me making intros. Like I would literally just, I think I, I'm, it'd be cool to go back and see uh, the, the email that help, helped you get hired, Tiago. But like, I'm pretty sure I just sent calling your resume, mm -hmm. uh, like, a, e like an email intro. So in the beginning, everything was super manual. 
um, which I think was good because um, it helped us understand exactly how things should be. And then like the technology platform caught up to that and we've, I'm pretty proud of what we have now. But um, yeah, it was really just like sending emails, sitting down, like doing the matching by myself between the jobs and the, and the people we have on the platform. Um, a lot of late hours, like I would work till 11 8 p.m., midnight, almost every day. Um, yeah, like just literally like blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and then now we've translated to like, I was kind of involved with everything. And now I'm really working hard to pull myself out of all the operational things or as many as possible and have like the team do the work um, and me being like the orchestrator and conducting that and, and just like uh, supporting them as much as possible slash making sure they're doing the right things, uh, fine line. Um, but most of the time it's just like, how can I be helpful? How can I help you be, be better? And if I can like empower the team and then therefore they can go and do great things. Um, that, that's my main focus. But in the early days, yeah, it was just really like, there's no, um, I guess, like shortcut or hard, like, or um, replacement for hard work. During the process, I guess you ended up learning a lot about immigration, right? Like yeah. the, the documentation <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, well, we wanna create the world's immigration as a service platform. Uh, I, yes. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. So um, it's funny. It all started actually with my wife. Uh, so she's from Brazil, and we had to do her first her tourist visa, her visitor visa, and then we had to figure out how to do her um, like marriage, like common law sponsor, or not common law, but like a, a marriage sponsor. Um, and then I just started learning about this whole world of visas and how that works and what to do and what a LMIA is and <clears throat> what a work permit is and temporary foreign workers and all that stuff, express entry. Um, and I kind of became an immigration nerd, just self-taught like online, and there's a lot of good content out there. Um, well, not to, not that much good content. There could, there could be better content working on, on making things more clear, because if you go to the government website, you have no idea what to do. Um, but uh, you know, we ha had the fortune of working with a lot of immigration consultants and learning from them, and just, just generally like trying to figure out how the process works. And now I would say we're probably, or you know, slash we are the best immigration firm for global talent stream in Canada. We've, we've done all, about 10% of all global talent stream visa processes in the country. Uh, I think close to 450. Um, and yeah, like we we have it down to a science. We're actually building a product where companies can log in and do all the global talent stream process on the com on, on VanHack. And then that creates the form that they need to submit to the government. And then the same thing for VanHackers, the candidates. And then the cool thing we want to do is have like a tracking system where you can like see the VanHacker arriving, almost kind of like Uber, but a lot <laughs> slower. <laughs> of like, you know, like the person has applied for the work permit, the person has bought their flight tickets or whatever, they're arriving on this date, et cetera. And then that way, both, you know, you as the company, uh, sorry, you as the VanHacker, I guess now you're the company because you're hiring for <laughs> us uh, with the VanHacker starting today. Uh, at your company, Chicago, but um, having both sides be on the same page because we find like there's there's mm -hmm. a lot of miscommunication and like when is this person starting and all that stuff. Um, so we're building that right now, and I'm super excited about that. I think that'd be great. And um, yeah, like I, I think like immigration is this kind of way too complicated and mm -hmm. way too expensive. Um, I, I kind of have a thing against immigration consultants. Most mm -hmm. of them, I think, are, are not very good um, and way too expensive. And so I, I feel like if we can just like have an API between the VanHack database mm -hmm. and the Government of Canada database that just sends the data that needs from both sides of the company and the candidate about the application, like that'd be amazing. Um, so we're working on building that. That looks super exciting. As a Brazilian, <laughs> when we faced like the immigration documentation in the government um, 
website. For us, it was all, it was all, all, um, actually, wow, this is simple, <laughs> <laughs> right? So the, the hardest part was the, the documents in Brazil. <laughs> so yeah, yeah th this seems really exciting. Yeah, the, the visa process for Canada, for, for Canada, I feel the job is actually really easy. Uh, the mm -hmm. hard part for us now is more the company side because the yeah. companies don't really know how it works most of the time mm -hmm. and they get intimidated by it. And, and that's a problem for us because they might like not want to hire from abroad because of that. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to make that as smooth as possible. And then, yeah, sometimes things like, uh, yeah, we, we want to share that, like how the process works as clearly as possible with the candidate as well. So mm -hmm. they can even have like all the documents ready before they even get hired and then boom, they can apply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's super cool because you, you're streamlining the visa process because You've been doing that for, I don't know, four years, mm. like helping people doing doing that. And then now you're kind of building software that helps you do that. Yeah. But you're not a software engineer, are you? No, no, I wish I was. I learned, I try to learn. I took this course called One Month Rails, uh, and I had this Brazilian friend named Clayton uh, from Sao Paulo. Thank you, Clayton, for trying to teach me Rails. <laughs> I just remember Rails S. Um, I think that's how you put the server online, right? You should know better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyway, I, 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 I definitely tried to learn. I did like the co code academy stuff. Um, I actually like before I wanted to create like a, a boot camp for developers, right? Like teaching mm -hmm. people how to code. So I wanted to learn and then be able to like somehow be involved in that. Anyway, um, my brother's actually a really good developer. Um, pr probably one of the top React developers in the city. And um, according to him, um, <laughs> but no, uh, I I always like just we get super frustrated. I'm not a details person. I'm a like sales, tar marketing, as you guys probably can understand from listening to this podcast. I go on long rants, and I, I I really respect like the other side, like the people who can create the product because like it's almost like magic to me, and I can kind of talk like because since my experience in 21212 in Rio since 2012, I've been working with developers like when I was in, in, in Brazil I actually started working with like two two devs and I would be the guy being like well, what if we do can do this and they, they would start talking about like databases and like oh yeah we can do it this way this way and I kind of started understanding the jargon like what is PHP what is like a server what's the back end front end like all that stuff I start to learn and kind of I can kind of talk about it and I kind of know like what's the hot technology like full stack JavaScript and all that stuff um, and and like what docker is what a container is etc like I know the, the language but like if you show me code, I'd be like, I don't know, <laughs> looks like a for loop. Um, yeah, just something <laughs> I, like a term I know. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think it's something that I probably should improve, but from talking to CTOs and hiring managers and HR, I think it's something that I just can always involved in and, and thinking about, yeah. Yeah, we're built in React and .NET, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, platform, yeah. Yeah, for us, it's the opposite because we know how to code, we know how to a lot about technology, mm. but we also want to learn about sales and marketing and other stuff because I feel like there's like a limit to, if you get too s specialized in something, mm -hmm. you don't get much more value from it. Right, right, the right, more right. you're specialized, the less value you get from it. But if I learn some other things like yeah. learning how to sell a little better, learning yeah. how to do some marketing, yeah. then I can get a bunch of value because yeah. I already know how to build stuff. Yeah, but exactly. if I yeah. learn how to sell it, then I'm unstoppable. Yeah, know? yeah. I had a friend who told me, like, man, Ilya, if you learn how to code, you're going to be dangerous. Because, like, <laughs> like, you can, you know, do both sides. And exactly with you. And I think, honestly, like, 
it's probably easier for you to learn how to sell than for me to learn how to code. So you're in a better position. Um, but it just takes practice like anything. And I, I was uh, at a meetup here in Vancouver, and we had actually a Brazilian guy uh, from, from Brex, the founder of Brex, the startup from Silicon Valley. And he talked about how he like learned sales because he was a developer before. So yeah, and he's done pretty well. So I think, uh, yeah, these days, like being a developer and being like a technical founder is so valuable. Because uh, yeah, like, like you were talking about with Indie Hacks, right? You mm-hmm. can keep your costs super low. I think the guys from Justin TV, the company that I think they created Twitch and then sold to Amazon for a billion dollars, they talked about how like in the early days they just they didn't spend any money because they're all developers, so they just did everything themselves, mm-hmm. built a great product, and yeah, and that's how they survived early on. So mm-hmm. I'm envious. Um, I mean, I can build landing pages and kind of like simple products, but um, yeah, not the same thing. Oh, besides this immigration process that you mentioned, is there something else that? It's in your mind for the future of VanHack? Um, yeah, I mean, right now, I think we're we're trying to really improve our um, uh, the, the events that we do. So I kind of touched on this before, but we, we, we do these events where we fly developers to cities that they want to move to. So Thiago, like you wanted to move to Vancouver, or both of you, Steph and Thiago, wanted to move to Vancouver. We would like uh, pay for a part of your flight to come to the city you want to move to and then have a recruiting fair with companies that are hiring for the skills you work with. And we found that these events work really well. We call them LEAP. And um, about 50% of people who attend these events end up getting hired. And it's because this in-person aspect of the interview process is really great and much stronger than just doing it virtually. And you can do a lot more interviews in a short amount of time. So you can have like the first, second, third round interview all in the same week rather than having to schedule like one week in advance and taking a long time. And by that time, the, the candidate already got a job somewhere else or something you know, like that. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I want to take that to another level. Like I think we could be doing, I mean, <laughs> my team will kill me, but I, I think we can be doing a, like, a leap event every week or at least like during the right time. <laughs> um, or even like two events, two leap events in, in two, two different cities at the same time. Um, and th- there's a lot of like, a lot of work behind the scenes to make that mm-hmm. happen. But I think it's super exciting because it's it's a really good way for us to get companies to be like, you know what, I'll, I'll come, you know, walk or take a car or whatever, drive 15 minutes to a, a, a conference center or like a, you know, a, a place where there's interviews, like there's 15 developers hanging out there. I need to hire some of those developers. Maybe I'll go meet them rather than like, oh, there's this developer on the other side of the world in Africa that, you know, works with Node.js. You're hiring for Node.js. You want to hire them. They're all the way there in Africa, time zone, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, no, I can meet them in person and see them. And, and, and it's an easier way for them to kind of get introduced to the idea of international hiring. Uh, and then on the candidate side, I think it's really cool because you as a candidate who never maybe even moved, like, did you guys go to Vancouver before or Canada before? Never. No, you didn't, right? So. So you don't you didn't know what you're getting yourself into. You can watch YouTube videos, right? But I mean, it worked out. But um, wouldn't it be cool for like you to have that experience and spend spend the, the week or however long mm-hmm. in the city, and then you can like really know that you know either yes or no, this is the place for me. Um, and I think it's like way better than you know coming to a city and like going by yourself and maybe slash learning English or whatever people do. Um, so I think we can do that a lot, lot more. Um, so yeah, that that would be the thing, and I also think like Van Hack itself could be doing more conferences. Like I think there be, should be like a Van Hack conference. Like mm-hmm. I think Van Hack can be like the leader in like we want to be the world's biggest international tech recruiting company. So it'd be cool to have like an international tech conference. I don't know, world mm-hmm. tech recruiting conference. Oh, uh, we'll we'll see. That's like an idea I've been thinking about recently. Because mm-hmm. like if we do our own events, that's also a nice thing to get the word out and getting things going. Um, yeah, and then also maybe like going into remote jobs and thinking about how that could be something because I, th- I see that as a huge trend. So those are all things I'm thinking about, but 
probably change tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and when is the next Leap event? In two weeks. It'll be in September 16th uh, in Toronto. It'll be um, for just women, uh, developers who are women, because um, like we're, you know diversity is, is a big thing. And also a lot of companies uh, are asking to hire more developers who are women. Um, so we have a lot of people from around the world and a lot of them are, are women. And so we have this advantage over other recruiting companies. So we thought we'd do an event just for that. Uh, that kind of uh, demographic and and yeah so that's happening um, in two weeks which is crazy uh, and we have I think 20 developers traveling from around the world to Toronto and um, I think like 15 20 companies as well so yeah we'll see um, we have actually six leap events in the next four months so <laughs> cool. yeah two in Vancouver two in Toronto Calgary Montreal uh, yeah that's six yeah mm-hmm. uh, if if I'm a company and I want to be part of the leap event how how should I should I get in touch with you? How does that Yeah, work? just sign up at vanhack.com, create an account, our team will get in touch. Mm-hmm. And what if I'm a developer and I want to move abroad? Yeah, so for developers we have a event section on our website and you just go to that and apply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's the best time to be moving abroad. Like there are so many jobs everywhere. You can go pretty much anywhere you want. You can go to Europe, you can go to Canada. And uh, is that true? Yeah, I mean, if you think about when my parents moved to Canada in 1993, um, there uh, was no YouTube, there was no internet, um, there was no you know anything. They, they had to write handwritten letters. They'd never seen a picture of Vancouver before. Um, so now these days you can get paid to move somewhere, right? Another mm-hmm. thing, they, they had to pay an immigration consultant, pay their, arrive without a job, um, you know, a mm-hmm. bunch of challenges. Um, and then if you look back further, further, like people had to literally trek across the world or take <laughs> ships and die. Um, <laughs> yeah, like anyway. So, so yeah, like to your point, like in history, if you look at things like there's never been a better time. And then especially if you're a developer, like, oh, my God, um, you know, first you can try the job remotely. Most many companies allow for that um, and get to know the team of people. You can learn so much about the city slash country you want to move to, um, you know, there, there's companies like Van Hack, um, but but like yeah, there's there's never been a better time, and I think there's something like 40 million open dev jobs in the world. Um, I think McKinsey said that, that that would be the stat in 2020 or something like that crazy number. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's 40 million or 15 million or 50 million; it gets just huge. And every company is becoming a tech company, so it's just going to get bigger. Um, so yeah, like there's many companies also offer really good relocation packages, and they help you with the move, the flights, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> there's never been a better time, yeah. And also the visa process is getting Yeah, easier, exactly. Right? So there's Global Talent Stream. Um, I just found out there's a visa in Australia called Global Talent Scheme, <laughs> uh, which is like... A rip-off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think they just copied Canada, which is cool, also. Um, it's called... It's G-T-E-S. I don't know what the E stands for, but yeah. Um, so Australia. Um, the only country, honestly, that's not open to higher developers these days is the U.S., uh, which we'll you know won't get into, but um, yeah, Europe. So like you can go to Sweden. I mean, many countries all over Europe. Um, and there's even like I don't know. I think governments are really like even fighting for developers. So in the Netherlands, if you move to the Netherlands, you get this thing called like I, f- I forget what it's called actually. There's like a tax break where you pay thirty percent less taxes than a local if you're a high skilled worker. So like let's say you get hired in, in Amsterdam and you guys move to Amsterdam, your taxes would be thirty percent lower than someone who was born in in Amsterdam in Holland. Uh, for the first eight years that you move there. Whoa. So it's like a pretty nice thing. And I think Germany has this thing too. It's a different thing. They give you more like credits mm-hmm. or something like that. It's different. But like com- countries are 
are literally like realizing that if every developer who moves to a city or every high school worker that moves to a city creates 12 new jobs because you guys now pay rent, you go to restaurants, mm-hmm. you go to movies, you go do all these things, right, as two high school workers. And so they're competing because they want your tax dollars. Uh, and you're yeah. going to pay tax now for the rest of your lives in Canada versus Brazil. So Brazil government just lost a lot of money and Canadian government just won a lot mm-hmm. of money because you guys moved from those countries. So, yeah, I think com- com- forward thinking com- countries are starting to think like this. And, um, you know, we want to be the way that tech talent relocates around the world, mm-hmm. no matter where they want to go to. What is the average size of the companies they hire through Vanhek? Is it true that only big companies, for example, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, those are the only companies that help help people relocate? No, actually, um, it's a really good question. So those companies definitely help people relocate. Um, but the problem with those companies is that everyone knows them and everyone from around the world is applying to work there. So, and of course they're hiring a lot, you know, and if, if you get hired, they're amazing, but you really will have probably a better chance if you apply to more like mid-sized companies. Um, so companies that are between like 50 to 500 people, Um, and, you know, these are kind of companies that I would look for because they don't have this global employer brand and recognition that other you know, larger companies do. And they can't compete on salary with the big guys. So they're kind of like, okay, I can't hire a senior developer because like they're all hired at Amazon or whatever. And then I can't pay the $300,000 or whatever Amazon pays uh, plus stock options. Um, so I need to think of different alternatives and international hiring can be that alternative for them. So um, while not all of them have like the capacity to deal with the legal paperwork and everything like this, and might not, all, not all of them might be open to hiring from abroad, you'll probably have more chance uh, success at those companies. Um, and a cool thing is that like those companies, you'll probably have a better culture and like better quality of life and work-life balance and be able to be more like a leader in that co- co- company. So like if you come to a company, like for example, I mentioned Thinkific, like Savio's case, um, like he moved, he got hired there as a senior developer and I, th- I, I should check, but like I'm pretty sure, uh, or Carolina, like uh, she's another developer who got hired at, at Thinkific, who I know for sure is now leading a team. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, she was able to progress in her career faster. So yeah, like definitely take a chance on startups slash scale-ups or mid-sized companies. Um, I think a lot of people have this misconception that those companies don't have any money, but like if you have 200 employees, you have, you're making a lot of revenue to pay low salaries. Um, And so, yeah, also a lot of those companies get funding, right? So they get like investor puts in like three, five million dollars or whatever those companies need to hire. So, yeah, um, I think that people who are looking for just the big companies are doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And which roles and technologies are those companies hiring most? Yeah, so I think the most common job we have is Java and then JavaScript, which, you know, front-end developers, because everyone needs a front-end developer. Uh, but, like, yeah, Ruby on Rails, uh, Python, uh, Data Engineering, uh, .NET, um, QA, Design, um, what else? I'm missing some PHP, like all the, you know, typical mm-hmm. back-end, f- f- front-end programming languages. Uh, typically, they're looking for more kind of intermediate to senior developers, so like three plus years experience. So if you are a junior developer listening to this, you know, get a few years experience um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and then try. Um, you know, the, that's, yeah, that's typically the kind of profile they're looking for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably other technology skills I just didn't think of right now, but if you, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And if you go to vanhack.com, you can see. <laughs> <laughs> go check it it's out. It's free to apply for jobs, by the way. <laughs> And it's usually, so let's say that someone has a lot of experience, but it's self-taught. So they mm. didn't go to college, they, they 
didn't do a master, yeah. would they still no, no be problem. a good fit? Yeah, for yeah. Those I think companies? like the it differs country to country. So I, I saw in Spain we were working with a company that just said we need people over six years experience. Mm. So you have to have a certain years of experience. I think in Canada it was like four or five. I'm not sure exactly. Um, but uh, if you can like. Like, for example, my brother, I mentioned him earlier, like, he, he did another, like, he did psychology in, in university, and now he works as a developer, and, like, yeah, um, in Canada, Europe, um, it doesn't matter if you have a degree or not or what your degree is in, um, as long as you can code and speak English well, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about the salaries? Yeah, salaries in, uh, typically between, like, 80 to 100 in Canada, and then Europe is, like, 50 to 60 euros, 1,000 euros per year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And... And just one quick thing here. Typically, people who come from abroad get a little bit lower than market rate, but not much. You actually can't. There's like a limit to how low you can pay people from abroad by the government. Mm-hmm. And the whole goal, at least what we say in Mac, is like it's not about hiring someone for cheap. It's about hiring someone who's great. You might They might pay them like 5%, 10% lower than market rate, but like in one or two years, you'll get a promotion and prove yourself. Because the company's taking a little bit of risk to hire you because they don't know you very well mm-hmm. or like you're not from the same culture. But we have seen, like, we, we had a developer get a, a job uh, for 150000 Canadian dollars, which is a great salary for Canada, um, from Ukraine. And we've had a few that are, like, 140, uh, 120, uh, 125. So, yeah, like, people can get really good salaries. Um, but just, like, know that you're probably going to get a little bit lower than market. But it's, like, o- opportunity to get your foot in the door. And then, you know, once you're here, if you're really unhappy with their salary after one year, then I'm sure mm-hmm. you can easily find another job. But um, I'm sure also your employer would probably just give you a raise. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, were there any case where I don't know something unexpected hap- happened, and I don't know someone they thought at first that it was a good fit for the company, and then yeah. they got here in yeah. Canada or I don't know in Europe, and and then you know they changed their mind. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens about five percent of the time, three to five percent mm. of the time. I should have the exact numbers, but pretty low. Um, typically, it happens actually remotely when people start doing a remote trial and um, you know, thankfully they haven't moved yet and they, they're, they're working remotely and things don't work out. Um, but we have had a few cases where people have actually moved um, and it doesn't work out. The cool thing with Canada, I don't know the visa laws in other countries too well, but uh, as well as you do as here, but I know in Canada they can stay in, in the country for as long as their work permit is valid. So if you get let go after one year, you have another year because you get a two year work, for, work permit when you come in Global Townstream. Um, so you can like at least stay in the country and like you can't work legally but you can work remotely or you can like stay in the country and look for another job but of course van hack will like step in and help you get hired so we had two people this year that got let go one because that well actually one got let go the other one the company went out of business um so they had to find something else um and both of them we helped them get a job actually at leap they both came to leap because they're in canada already so it's pretty easy for them to travel to toronto in this case um and yeah it was cool like they both got jobs and they're really happy and yeah Mm -hmm. things worked out it doesn't always happen that way. I think we had a few people maybe go back, oh, at least one guy that I can remember. Um, but, you know, it's it's a risk that people take, I guess, if mm-hmm. you're coming from abroad and, you know, you know that this is a possibility and worst case scenario. I would say, like, if, if, if any time, I remember one case, there's a guy uh, from Curitiba in Brazil, a uh, really, really good developer, Ricardo. He got a, a job offer in Dublin, and he's like, man, I don't know if I should take it. I'm like, man, take the job, move to Dublin. After six months, if you hate it, go back to Curitiba. What have you lost, right? 
now we've got our sweet job in Denmark, like loving life in Copenhagen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like you can you always you already have the you know you can always go go back home, right? Like your mom will be there with mm-hmm. food <laughs> and shelter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did that ever happen? Like someone moved abroad and said, "Oh no, I miss home," and they went back. Yeah, we did. We had a lady from uh, from uh, got hired in Edmonton. Um, I won't say her name, of course, but she yeah she recently left like uh, resigned from her job and went back and. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't so close involved in that case. I'm not involved in every hire anymore. Um, but I think from her, she just didn't like living in that city and she missed home. Edmonton's a particularly cold place. Um, so maybe it was this or whatever other reason. I'm not sure. But unfortunately, it, it did happen once that I know of. Uh, but almost always the question after someone gets jo- a job is like, how do I get my permanent residency? How do I become a citizen? Like, how do I you know, settle in here and have a really successful life moving forward? Um, so yeah, um, it's it's really cool to see. I, th- I don't think we have our first Van Hack citizen yet of, of like the country they moved to, but I know we definitely have a lot of people who are permanent residents like you guys, and uh, probably in Europe like got their blue card, which is similar to mm-hmm. PR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you guys are the first uh, Van Hack citizens. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, everyone is invited to the celebration. We'll eat maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And the Caesar, the yeah. Caesar drink, Caesar, <laughs> and a poutine. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> uh, so let's say that I am someone that wants to move abroad. I have a lots of experience, and I think that I might be um, a great fit mm-hmm. for a company that is hiring hiring through Van Hack, but. I don't have a really, really good English. Mm. As you can say, as you can see, my English is not like that great. <laughs> but I think that people can understand me, <laughs> and I didn't let this prevent me to try doing this podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. And that is actually one of the reasons that, for me personally. Um, was the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is to mm. show people that you don't have to, you know, be have a perfect English for you to do things here abroad. Mm-hmm. So let's say that this there are a lot of people listening right now and they feel like their their English is not that great. Yeah, yeah. What what is I'll your advice? English is my third language. Mm-hmm. As you, maybe you don't know because I moved here when I was five, so I don't have an accent. But uh, I, I was Russian and Hebrew and English. So I think staying with the um, um, the, the theme of having English as a second language or not na- native English speakers on the podcast. I'm, I'm happy to be in that group. And I think that's a really cool idea, Steph and, and Thiago, to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, just a personal note. But um, so I know what it's like to come to Canada and not have good English, trust me. Uh, but uh, what I would advise is, of course, join Van Hack Premium, um, which we can talk more detail. But really, the more important than that, like you don't have to. The more important thing is just like do one thing a day to improve your English. And my best tip is actually I got this from my grandma who moved to, to Canada when she was 65 from Russia, never came to Canada before. And now she speaks pretty much fluent English um, or really good for like an 80 year old or 80 something <laughs> um, is uh, to read out loud. It's a funny mm-hmm. thing. But if you read out loud, you're you're training three things at once. You're training your reading, your listening, and your speaking at mm-hmm. the same time. Cool. Um, so yeah, it's like a Mm-hmm. Grandma hack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I remember she taught me this when I was trying to learn Portuguese, actually. Um, and so, yeah, this is like a really simple thing you can do. And then just read like technical documentation if you're a developer or like the news, you know, hacker news or indie hackers or whatever, um, and whatever like subject you're interested in. And, and that'll be like a really easy way for you to train that and do that like for like half an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing like is, you know, there's tons of like, 
really great online English courses. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to join Bad Hack, but there's like I think I I talk is a good one. Yeah, I've um, been doing some private classes yeah, there, and yeah. it it has helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really good investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty low cost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like ten dollars per hour. Wow, that's super yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's like two coffees. Right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in Vancouver. <laughs> right? Maybe not in Brazil. It's like 30 coffees in Brazil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, just quickly on premium, because, you know, I, I have to say, <laughs> um, it, w- the cool thing with what we do, I think, is that it's like all focused for developers and very focused on helping you get the job. Um, so we have this like 30, we have 32 hours of English practice per month in, in a group where you, uh, and it's $65, so it's like $2 an hour, so cheaper than italki, but it is in a group, um, so you don't have that full time. But we, you are in a group with people who are having the same goal as you, so you can learn from them too and exchange ideas and have your questions answered, and it's always with a, a, a teacher uh, who's like a fluent English speaker. Um, yeah, so that's like a cool thing, and then you also have like review of all your profile. But if you don't need that, then you know don't mm-hmm. join. A lot of people think that if oh you need to be premium member to get hired on Vanhack. Actually, the vast majority of people who get hired on Vanhack are not premium members, but really the ones who need that like extra sharpening and shining up mm-hmm. uh, are, are 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 the ones who I think get the benefit of premium. And also, it's free uh, free trial. So it's sorry, thirty day money back guarantee. So it's like. You can try for, for free for 30 days. You don't like getting your money back. Our goal, we don't really make money with premium. We make money with companies, get hiring people. So we want to offer as much value as possible to help people get hired. So, yeah. Like Danilo, the guy who started today at uh, your company, Thiago, he was a premium member. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it works, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it really it works. works. I think 57 premium members this year have gone hired so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it has um, someone that is a non-native English speaker. I would say that even if you don't want to, you know, have the perfect English, Still, it's good to try to improve your English because you are living here, right? You, you, you will want to interact with people. You will want to do some uh, talks at the meetups. Oh, for sure, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, I think it's a, a really great investment. Yeah, our third value at Van Hack is your English is always getting better. I mm-hmm. think this is important for us. It's more like you are always getting better as well because like you have to think that in a positive way. Yeah. So many times, I don't. Just maybe just Brazil, but like a lot of people um, when I, that I met in Brazil would be like, oh, my English is Tonghui, like they'd say their English is awful, <laughs> and they'd be so negative and, and self conscious and afraid to make mistakes. And so I, I, I try and flip that around and be like, no, your English isn't bad, it's always getting better. So if you have this mm-hmm. constant improvement mindset of like, yeah, my English is always getting better because if I'm practicing, then it, it is getting better every day, um, then you kind of are more free to make mistakes and kind of just. Yeah, and then you need it, like, <laughs> you need to speak English. Yeah. So I have many friends who are, like, great developers. They know a bunch of stuff. They taught me a lot, mm-hmm. but they lack the confidence. Mm-hmm. So they really want to move abroad, but they la- lack the confidence, maybe, because they think, oh, it's not going to work for me. Oh, Tiago, you know English, you know, mm-hmm. but, like... You did a they, master Yeah, degree. but they, they know more than me. S- in right, some yeah. areas, they yeah. know more than I do, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so... What kind of advice would you give to someone like like some of my friends? Like they're really good developers but they What's lack that names? confidence. So <laughs> Italo. Italo. He's gonna he's, oh, he's a listener. You, this is for you. Italo. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, Italo needs to understand that if he doesn't seem like he actually wants it. Uh, if he really wanted it, then he would do it. But mm-hmm. I think he's like maybe might likes the idea more than actually Maybe. I don't know him. No offense. <laughs> um, so that might be something. But if he actually does want it to do, uh, make this change in his life, then, as I said earlier, like, you already have the no, so why not? Um, 
is Italo married? Yes. Yeah. So before he was married, uh, was he like you know when he when he, when he met his wife? Like I'm sure there was a moment in, in, in that he like had to go and say hi to her, right? Yeah. Um, so like kind of think of it this way: you already have the no. You should go out and say hi and see if you can get the yes. And and, and that metaphor is basically just go out and try and improve your English a little bit. Try and do some interviews. Try and format your resume. Things that are honestly really not that hard. And like the investment you have to make versus the like the benefit. Like, my God, think about this. You're going to change the life of your entire family forever. And your kids are going to be able to grow up in an amazing place to live like Canada. And if you want, you could always move back to Bank, uh, to, to Brazil. Um, I'm sure Bolsonaro would love your tax dollars. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? So so go go for it, right? Like, you have nothing to lose. And But I, I think that sometimes, let's say that the person wants to move, but the, the spouse is not from a high-skilled area, for example, let's say. Yeah. And then they have a pretty established career in Brazil. Yeah. So let's say, for example, that I'm a, I'm a doctor yeah, or something, dentist, you know, exactly yeah. a nurse yeah. or, or, or something. Yeah. Then you would have to go, it, it would be harder for you to definitely restart your career here. So sometimes I think that it's more than, you know, I don't want to leave. It's more, I have fought a lot to get here in my career yeah. to you know no, go I, back I, to zero I personally felt this and lived through this my wife is a dentist and we have this conversation a lot when she moved when we first moved here she tried to validate her diploma but we got into Starve Chile so we had to go to Chile as she was going through the process and then we just never went through it I think you have to make a decision and have to weigh the pros and cons like how much do you not like living where you are versus how much like you like your career like I get it if if you know the the spouse is happy in their career and they're doing well I um, mean again they can always go back to that their job will be there if they're a good professional um, but uh, yeah it might be like a person or like an ego hit right like like you know oh man like I'm not going to be a doctor anymore like doctors are super well respected and maybe I'll be like uh, working or not even working and like oh I have to start from nothing um I don't know, like, it's a personal decision and everyone has their own path, um, but you could always come back and be a doctor in Brazil or whatever, wherever country you're from, um, but maybe, like, you can't always have this opportunity to relocate. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's tough, but you have to make a decision and, and maybe um, you'll find something that you like even more in the new country mm -hmm. and do that. Uh, but yeah, I think, like, the adaptation of the spouses is something that we actually started thinking a lot more of Van Hack. Um, and uh, are trying to figure out how to, to help. But it's it's tough, like it's a huge life change and it can be very stressful and people can be homesick, you know, missing the food, missing the culture, especially in the winter, missing the sun, um, the weather. Um, so there's definitely a lot of hard parts of relocation, but you just have to kind of think of the long term. And um, yeah, like, I don't know, I sometimes think about like we can work remote, like sometimes we can like live rem in, in, in Brazil for like the summer and Canada in the summer. Um, and and like have that experience but yeah I, I don't know I think it's just you 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 either have to like say you know what I'm not gonna do this or you know let's just give it a shot mm -hmm. worst case scenario we come back yeah. home after one year and yeah nice so Stephanie is a good example because uh, she didn't finish college mm -hmm. computer science and now she has a full-time job here as a developer yeah. it took a while to get it the job while, but yeah, yeah. because 
there are companies hiring, looking just for seniors, mostly. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard if you get here as a junior. And mm. I literally got here with three months of mm. experience, mm -hmm. but it was a, a risk that I happily took. Yeah, actually, the one, one thing on that is that if you get hired, if, the, if things work out, you know, you won't be moving to the country uh, you're going to without a job. So like, like let's say um, the, the wife is, is a developer and she gets hired and then you'll be you'll both be moving together and the wife will have an, a great paying job that can support both both people and the family. Um, so then, it, like you said, it is a, a risk you're willing to take because you have the comfort or com com confidence that Chiago will be able to pay the rent until you get you know the job as well and now you have even more income. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's not like one of those things where like, oh my God, we're coming to, to this new city and we just moved to Berlin and how are we gonna pay the bills next month? Like, no, mm -hmm. there's a job there and it's yeah. usually very well paying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can easily support your whole family with just one, just one income. Yeah. And then after a while, the, the other person will get a job and be happy too. And your life will be so much better in this new place than mm -hmm. in your Usually that happens, so you have a better yeah. life, yeah. and you're happier, and you, you work more, and you're happier in, in the new place. So. Yeah, definitely. It's it's it, and and then like, I don't know. I think if you're married to someone who's a developer, like, you know, you should be really grateful <laughs> you married a developer. <laughs> <laughs> you could have married another doctor, and you'd both be screwed, <laughs> right? Like, you know, quote unquote, right? Um, I'm not saying that people who are, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, you wouldn't have an opportunity or chance even because it's really hard to immigrate as a doctor. So mm -hmm. yeah, like I think if you're um, a spouse of a, of a technical professional, like yeah, be grateful you married the nerd. <laughs> uh, would you say that most people that were hired were hired through Van Hack, they came alone or they came with their family? Most people come with family. So our, our like customer, like prototypical customer, stereotypical customer is about 30, 35 years old, married, mm. uh, either with kids or thinking about having kids. Um, so yeah, about I think 60% are married. But we mm. have a lot of people who are single too, but uh, typically it's married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, married couples. And it's cool, like we had a, a guy move to Montreal recently or like sometime last year and uh, his wife's pregnant now. So like they're gonna have kids <laughs> in Canada, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of Van Hack babies be born. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not Van Hack babies, but like babies that were different citizens because of you know the people yeah. that moved to new cities. New Their countries. futures were shaped by Van Hack. Yeah, in a way, a small way. Yeah, we're just the path, you know. You have to yeah. walk down it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we just try and make the the road more smooth. Tell us a little bit more about the premium Van Hack. How does that work? Who should be a good fit. Yeah, so with premium, I think the best people are people who are good at tech, but aren't so good at uh, English. And um, you, the first thing that happens is you join our Slack group. We have two Slack groups, one from premium, one that's free. And you get connected to Juliana, who's our premium account manager or uh, community manager. Um, and she'll kind of explain how everything works. You also get an email course that shows everything and free uh, uh, premium content, more specialized content. And then you'll join the interview practice. Uh, that happens every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Brazil time. Um, and I think we have some during other time zones in mm -hmm. Europe and Asia. But uh, yeah, and then you also have a review of your profile. So you have a like, scheduled consultation with our team and you'll have like a, a review. You can do one of those every month. Um, so yeah, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Nice. I just want to share my experience because some some people think, oh, you're just going to apply to Van Hack and get a job. Mm -hmm. But like for me, I started 
thinking about moving abroad before Van Hen. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. and I spent a bunch of time sending resumes. So I probably sent like maybe 200 resume, resumes mm. in during that time. And then I went to Portugal, like it didn't work out for me. So I, it, it took a while to get to the point where I could say, okay, so I have the perfect resume. I have the perfect skills. So I'm ready to move abroad. Mm. I just need the little push, the little, a little luck maybe. And so, and then I- it's funny because uh, I applied to a bunch of jobs in Van Hack to Europe, mm-hmm. didn't work, Yeah, didn't work. And then I think the, f- the first job that I applied for a Canadian company, mm-hmm. I got the job. So mm-hmm. it was, I don't know, maybe it's destiny or something, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It was yeah, pretty we ha- cool. We have had this feedback that Canadian companies are a little bit more open to hire from abroad than European companies. Um, so maybe there's something there as well. But yeah, de- definitely. Like I, I think your point of it takes a long time. We always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Most people who get hired on Van Hack have been with us for like six months or more. Um, and they're before even joining Van Hack. Like I've heard stories of people like planning for ten years to relocate. Like their English isn't good enough, or they don't have enough money saved, or they don't have the, enough experience in te- the technical side of things whatever it might be, and people have this long-term view of it, because you are changing your entire life forever, so you might want to like take some time to plan. Um, and, and so yeah, people sometimes join VanHack and like, oh man, I've been here for two months, I didn't even get an interview. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> it's not magic, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we have some people who joined, and the first interview they get hired in like three mm-hmm. weeks, which is crazy, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. It definitely takes some time to understand the market as well. Like the hiring process is different. Yeah. What people are looking is different, right? So yeah, the um, the more you practice, mm-hmm. the better it will get. Right? Yeah. So. yeah, it's like anything, you know, like riding a bike or mm-hmm. learning any new skill. Like getting a job is kind of like a job in itself. And you have to understand like, especially like international jobs, the cultural fit aspect of things is super important. So it's not like, are you just like a developer? But we had a guy to reject it from a company today because they didn't see him working well with the team, whatever that means. Um, so there's so many subjective things and you have to really understand like how to talk about your skills, your yeah. weaknesses and like yourself and knowing yourself a lot more and expressing yourself better than just being like, yeah, like this is how you solve this algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nice that you mentioned this because Stella, she mentioned that, right? She mm. said that um, he, it looks like here in Canada, people value a lot what we call soft skills, yeah. which would mean, for example, if you know how to interact with your team, if you know how to express your, your ideas. Coach let's, people. Yes, mentor other people as yeah, well. Yeah. So this is something that, um, I don't know, not a lot of companies in, in Brazil value yeah. as much as here in Canada. Yeah, so. I think. You did mention about like saving a little money and, and everything. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you, if you that are listening right now is thinking about uh, moving abroad in, I don't know, maybe the next two or three years, what you can do right now is, is start saving a little money <laughs> for that. Because even if you got here with the job already, it's 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 good to have this comfort of you know if something goes wrong mm-hmm. i have this mm-hmm. emergency fund mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so about the money part uh you're probably going to need to have like two months rent sa- saved up uh, for the deposit for the apartment and then like you know food and different expenses so maybe like let's say five to ten thousand canadian dollars if you move to canada maybe like three to seven thousand euros um not ne- it's not like a 
make or break. Like if you don't have this, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've even lent Van Hackers money and they paid us back for helping with the rent. Doesn't happen often, but if they need. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, like typically you'll get a nice relocation package from the company and that'll help with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about the feedback from Van Hackers that are working in another place? What, what Can you tell me the feedback they give you? Some um, I mean, almost all the time, they're really, really happy. And that's like makes me really, really like proud and happy as well. Um, I met a guy uh, yesterday who was one of the first Van Hackers hired, um, Petros. Um, he's been living here for like four years now, uh, also has his permanent residency. Like his company just got bought by another company and he's like helping lead the DevOps transition. Like it's really cool to see for me like the products that they built. I always had this idea to do like a campaign called Built by Van Hackers to like think about what, how, how many lines of code have Van Hackers written after they got hired and how many products have they shipped and all these kind of things. We don't do such a good job of measuring this impact, which is something we really need to do. It's another idea about the future. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's cool. Like we, we have, um, you know, Van Hackers who are CTOs or uh, you know, like I said, leading products. Um, some of Van Hackers work for like the largest um, companies in, in Canada and companies that everyone uses, products that everyone uses. Um, and it's really cool to see like that this person that got hired then was able to impact this team this way or even like a smaller company hired a van hacker and now that person's like um you know being able to like help them launch their product and help them get funding and help them grow their business and all these there's all these stories like too many for me to even remember and count well we do count them but i don't, don't remember all of them um but yeah they typically they tell me like i'm really happy and um sometimes they say i'm looking for another job but most of the time they're like yeah they, the cool thing is the van hackers stay for like two three four years at companies because after you move around across the world like you're typically not going to look for a new job, um, or if you do, it's maybe like one, and then you stay. They don't, they don't change jobs a lot, which is really cool because companies like that, as well as people have the stability <clears throat> afterwards. So yeah, um, I, I mean, I we have. I just found this um, uh, Google sheet one of our employees shared with me today of like 20 testimonials that she collected in the last couple of weeks of people saying they had a good experience and. We always try and make sure that everyone has a good experience if they get hired or not, or even if they get hired outside VanHack. Like you can come join VanHack, learn from us, and, and like get all the training, and then get hired on your own or through some other platform, and that's great too. Like we just want to help. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we just ask you tell everybody about VanHack if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, it's that's really true. cool. It's um, hopefully it becomes like a network effect where. The more people get hired on VanHack, the more people tell their friends about VanHack and their friends get hired and they tell more mm-hmm. people and we grow that way. And what about the van hackers that mm. started their own business or startup? <coughs> you know, that's something that I've always thought would be really cool in the future, have something called VanHack Ventures, where VanHack becomes more like an investment company and helps invest in different startups that van hackers create. Um, and um, or even like takes some developers that we have in VanHack and puts them into a company that already has a business idea and then helps put investment in that company as well and, and help them grow together. Um, maybe like in the next three, five years, we'll see because um, we have all these amazing developers. Um, but I don't think there is, and I, I can't think of any one example. I w- if there is one out there, I, w- I would love to connect with that person if they're listening to this by any chance. But like of a VanHacker who's come to Canada or Europe and then left their job to start a startup that's done well. I don't think that's happened yet. I hope it happens one day and that'd be really cool. But yeah, for now, I don't think so. Yeah. Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's, I think, um, I mean, I, 
uh, before Van Hack, I worked at this uh, Spring Accelerator, and my job there was to teach people how to like start startups and run startups, um, which I'm definitely not the world's leading expert in, but I, I'm really passionate about. So I think it'd be really cool, and um, I think it could be something special because we usually what companies do is they raise a bunch of money and hire a bunch of developers, um, whereas I think like we can just cut that out and just hire the developers, build the product, and mm -hmm. then have some marketing as well. Use the money to grow rather than just to build a product, mm -hmm. which can be very expensive and time consuming. Mm. Yeah. Is there something else you want to talk about? No, I mean, thank you guys for having me. It's uh, been a good conversation. I think I've gone through all so many details before. <laughs> and that you guys are very thorough. I like that. Um, yeah, congrats on, on the podcast. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. And we hope we, we helped someone get motivated. Yeah, if someone listened to this and you made it all the way to the end, like, and if you want to send me an email, it's just Ilya at vanhack.com, I-L-Y-A. Um, so send me an email being like, I listened to you on the Hex Desk podcast all the way to the end, and I'll definitely reply to that. Uh, or you can add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm the only person in the world with my name, so Ilya Brodsky, um, and, uh, or like with the way it's spelled. And uh, yeah, I'm very open and always want to connect with people. So please, uh, especially if you made it all the way to the end, like, feel free to message me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, it was really cool to hear about your story and I think it's very inspiring to, to us because first because you're helping a bunch of people like making their lives better but also because you started your own company and you're doing that because you like it and you're helping people and it's like it's super cool like we, we love that and thank you so much for, for coming yeah. and talking to us my pleasure and I look forward to investing in your startup one day <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. very soon <laughs> Cool. This has been the HexDevs podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And all the links are going to be provided in the description notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and share this episode with your friends. <laughs>